to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where each and every day I bring on new business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at Ask Adam Torres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. Always love to connect with you there. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, moneymatterstoptips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Michael Varga on the line, and he's the owner over at Varga Vineyards. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. So I'm excited to get more into what you're doing over at Varga Vineyards, um, but before we do that, let's get a little bit more into your background. So how did you get started um, in your career in, as an entrepreneur? Sure. Uh, so I'm actually an immigrant uh, to this country. I was born in Eastern Europe, immigrated here when I was a, a young kid. So early on in life, I, I learned the value of hard work and self-reliance. It's that old school, you know, immigrant work ethic that if you wanted something, uh, you got to work for it and make it happen for for yourself. Um, you know, one of the best things my parents did for me growing up was they would periodically take me back to the old country where I was born, which was, you know, a third world communist country. And by seeing where I came from and contrasting that with where I am now and where I was here in the States, I could truly value and appreciate the opportunity that this country afforded me. So this really instilled me, instilled in me early on a very strong desire to kind of serve and give back. So that kind of like that immigrant work ethic, that entrepreneurial spirit and the desire to give back is what has, has molded me. Um, after high school, you know, in my efforts to kind of give back to this country, I joined the military. That was my way of showing gratitude to this country. And ironically enough, it was through the military that I developed my, my love of wine and, and winemaking. Um, to explain that a little bit more, my job in the military was being a counterintelligence agent. I was deployed over to Bosnia, and part of my duties were to conduct liaison meetings with a lot of the host country government officials. Now, many of these government officials, especially in Croatia and Hungary, they had vineyards of their own. So oftentimes we'd hold these, these meetings, these liaison meetings, out in the vineyards or in some of their wine caves. We got to do some barrel samplings, and boy, I really fell in love with the whole, the whole romantic notions of the vineyards and winemaking. Uh, so that's how I got my, my, start at, uh, my start in wine and winemaking. Oh, my gosh. I'm falling in love with it myself. I'm just picturing this. I'm like, you're over here. I want to make wine, too. I'm a podcaster, but maybe I can't. But still, just the way you tell the story, that's an amazing story. I can't claim I've ever heard anybody else falling in love with it in quite that manner. That's great. And I could just, it seems like it was nostalgic, progressive, all everything in between. That's awesome. Um, so, Mike, obviously now you know you've been in you've been in business um, you know um, over you know 13 years um, with your vineyards, and so you, you've seen a lot of changes in the market, um, and obviously technology, all these things that are changing. Um, what kind of um, what kind of advice would you give to that um, young entrepreneur that's out there? Maybe not necessarily starting a vineyard, but just like if they're trying to start their first product, what kind of advice sure. would you give them on on kind of um, making that a reality? You know, it's interesting because I've thought about that a lot, especially in my in my latter years here. And there, there's three things that I, I really truly believe in that in order to be a successful entrepreneur you have to do. Uh, you know, it's one is to live powerfully, the other is to live passionately, and the other is to live a little bit dangerously. And let me I explain each of these three, three things because I really believe in the power, the passion, and, and the peril. So when we start talking about passion, a lot of people talk about passion. You know, I think there's three elements to passion. First, you have to absolutely love what you do. 
passion, I think, is key. That's what differentiates between someone that can be very, very successful and someone that's just mediocre. If that passion for something, that love for something is what gets, will get you through the, the tough times, the hard times. It's what will help you persevere. It's that passion. And in entrepreneurship, you know that there's always going to be tough times. And second, with when it comes to passion, you have to be passionate about service. You know, you really have to have a true passion for helping your clients and for helping people. For me, it's always been what can I do to help my clients fulfill their desires, to live better, to solve their problems, or to ease their pain so they can get what they need, want, and desire. You have to have that passion for helping others. And then the third part of that passion is you have to be passionate about your employees. It's your employees that are going to make or break you. You have to support your employees, be passionate about helping them out. A lot of people say, hey, put customers first. I'm the opposite. I say put your employees first, develop and care for them, and they'll do the same for you. Now, we talked a little bit about, you know, danger, living dangerously. Uh, that's just kind of from my previous career in the military and some stuff that I've done in law enforcement. But I really believe that a little bit of danger in life is kind of the spice of life. Now, when it comes to entrepreneurship, you have to be willing to take on calculated risk. You have to be willing to live a little bit dangerously. Without accepting some amount of risk as an entrepreneur, you won't be successful. You have to be comfortable in taking those risks, in managing and addressing challenges. Be comfortable, as I say, like living in the storm. You have to look forward to those challenges. Then the final part of that is, the part of my advice would be live powerfully. Now, what do, what do I mean by that? Power for me is nothing more than ability. The first part of that is ability to master yourself, master your emotions, and to be disciplined. The key thing to, I think, being an entrepreneur running any type of business is to have the ability to make yourself do those things that you don't want to do. That's what, six, that's what differentiates those who succeed between those who don't. Their ability to be disciplined and do what they must do even though they may not want to do it. And secondly, when it comes to power, you have to have the ability to influence others. That's absolutely critical. Whether it's creditors or clients, sales calls, whatever the, whatever the issue may be, the power of influence, influence over others is absolutely crucial. So for me, it's live dangerously, pursue your passion, and be powerful. That would be the advice that I give. I love it. Um, let's switch it up a bit, Mike. Let's get into uh, what you're doing as owner over at Varga Vineyards. So first, uh, tell me a little bit more about the business, please. Great. So I've got a vineyard up in Oregon. It's an estate vineyard. I planted that vineyard probably a little over 15 years ago. You know, after I got out of the military, I had some money saved up. Um, I bought little pieces of land, cobbled together some land here and there, and then over the years I grew, grew, the, grew the vineyard. So it's all Pinot Noir grapes. I grow premium grapes on my vineyard. Uh, after harvest every year, September, October time frame, I put them on a, some big rig trucks and I truck them down to San Diego where I live. I actually make the wine here in San Diego in an urban winery. Uh, because I'm a small producer, I have a lot of freedom and flexibility to create the type of wines that I, I really want to make. We have our traditional high-end Pinot Noirs, but we also make some interesting wines. We have some that are aged in rum barrels, bourbon barrels, tequila barrels, some of them in a maritime environment. We're doing things with Pinot Noir wines that really nobody else has done. It's giving them a very unique flavor profile. 
Um, and the second thing that I involve myself that's related to the vineyard, and it's more of along the lines of my efforts to give back, is I created a foundation. It's the Varga Foundation. It's like a social benefits enterprise. And what I do is I use the proceeds from my wine business to fund this foundation. I don't accept any donations. And what I do with the foundation is I support our first responders, our military, and I support violence prevention campaigns. So that keeps me busy, the vineyard and the foundation. It's my way of, of giving back to everybody that's helped make me. So I, I, I love that you say that you're doing uh, some different things with wine, and it sounds to me like um, you're obviously you're, you're in your flow in terms of creating products. Are there any kind of uh, trends that you just notice in your, in your industry, in your neck of the woods of, um, of creating um, fine wines? You know, I've seen a, a lot of consolidation over the years. Mm. Um, a lot of the bigger players, especially in my region up in Oregon, mm -hmm. you have a lot of the large brands that are coming in, and they're they're buying up some of the small brands. Um, while that may be good for the individual brands that are brought out, I think it creates too much uniformity in some of the wine mm -hmm. regions. When you have these big, huge producers coming in, their wines are going to taste the same year after year after year. Um, that's That's their goal. My goal is to be really expressive of the fruit. So my wines may taste different from year to year, and I'm perfectly fine with that. It's whatever nature gives me. It's what the fruit gives me. That's what I work with. I'm really a, a minimalist when it comes to intervening in wine. That's awesome. Um, so, Mike, if somebody's listening to this, and I mean, I mean I'm mean, i salivating. Like, you got me, like, wanting a glass <laughs> of wine right now. Which I, it's, hold on. It's Friday at noon. It's afternoon. I'm allowed. Uh, <laughs> so, so if somebody's listening to this and they're like, all right, I need to try these, these, um, these Varga wines, um, what, what's the best way for them to get them? So the only place I sell direct to consumers through the Internet, which is www.vargavineyards.com. But I sell a lot to restaurants. So I'm in Nobu in Southern California. I'm in LG Steakhouse in Southern California. And I'm in multiple uh, places in, in the San Diego County and Los Angeles County uh, as far as restaurants go. They can all go to my website. All of the places that, uh, that I serve my wine at, I can be found on that website. Fantastic. Um, well, hey, Mike, really appreciate you coming on the show today and uh, sharing more about your background and also the passion that you're bringing to uh, Varga Vineyards and all the great products you're putting out. Uh, and to the audience, as always, thank you for tuning in. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Um, if you did, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really do appreciate it. And uh, Mike, thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you.